for our first message this morning. It'll be brought to us by Mr. Mark McGarvey. It is entitled, Gideon. There we go. Okay, that's better. Yeah, like I was saying, uh, hope you survived that snow we had this week. Pretty, pretty savage, wasn't it? That's the most we've had in nine years. My kids were a lot smaller then. So, there are many stories throughout the Bible that um, captivate us, inspire us, show how great God is. There are many men and women God chose to be great leaders, kings, prophets, to do his work, to carry out his will in the land of Israel and later Judea. The story of Gideon is one such story. It's a great story. Um, It's got everything. Miracles, angels, war battles, and a character that is fascinating to look at and how God really did interact with the people he deemed suitable to carry out his plans. To set these stories in the books of the Bible for us to learn and, and to be examples for us to pass down through the ages and through time. Tremendous stories, many, many stories both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, as we look at the story of Gideon, is there something we can learn from this story as Christians today? Although this story took part, you know, uh, about 3,000 to 3,200 years ago, is there a message in it that is relevant to us today? So, who was Gideon? He was an Israelite from the tribe of Manasseh, who was a military leader, a prophet, and a judge. There is approximately 300 years between, from the time that uh, Joshua conquered Canaan after Joshua became leader after Moses, after the Israelites, um, and their 40 years in the wilderness, got to Canaan, and they conquered the Canaanites. And between the time of Joshua through to the first king who, is, who was Saul. Uh, David was after Saul, as you know, but approximately 300 years, they say, between uh, the time of Joshua and the first king. Um, and the leaders of Israel before the kings were judges. There was no royal family, no special lineage between successive leaders. Men and women arose were called by God and chosen by him to lead his chosen people and Israel and to usually bring them out of this seemingly addiction they had where they kept going back to idolatry and all the evil practices of the neighbors around them. And it it still baffles the mind and 
I, I can't believe that after all they went through with, with Moses and Joshua and successive leaders, how the Israelites, after a few years, would go back to their old ways. And it, it's, it's astounding after seeing the hand of God so clearly. So um, Gideon was the fifth judge, and there would be 12 in total. And Gideon was also known as Jerubal, or Jerubal, and Jerubasheth, his Hebrew given names. Uh, Deborah was the prophetess, or Deborah the prophetess was the judge before Gideon, and the, Lizra, the land of Israel had 40 years of peace. So. Let's begin our look at this story. It goes to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. And let's look at verses 1 through 10 first. Book of Judges, for those of you who are using your Bibles, and for those who are not, the words will be up on the screen behind me. Judges chapter 6, and we'll begin here in verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So the, we see here that the Israelites have been so oppressed, they've been pushed out of their own homes and were forced to live in caves and so on. So verse 3. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also the Amalekites, and the people of the east. And the people of the east here would be nomadic other peoples. It doesn't specifically say who, but other nomadic tribes from the east. They would come up against them. Verse 4. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord once again. The nation, the country is in crisis, and they, some of them, maybe only a handful of people remember the God of Israel. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. And this prophet is not given a name, by the way. Uh, a prophet is sent, briefly, a spell here before Gideon comes onto the scene. The prophet says to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So the Midianites and the Amalekites, who were both foes of Israel, were using up its fertile land 
and plundering all that she had. This has been going on for some time. See, yet again, there's a major crisis, and so the Israelites cry out to God. So let's read on here. Judges 6 and verse, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So he already had status, he already had, um, people saw him as a warrior already. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, pretty showing some gall here to say this to an angel, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Kind of hints, echoes of Moses here. How can I do this? Why are you choosing me for? Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. So Gideon wants to show his appreciation by doing something here for the angel, the angel of the Lord. And he said, and the angel said to Gideon, I will wait until you come back. I'll sit right here. So Gideon, verse 19, so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ether of flour. The meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot. He brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. Brought them out to the angel who was sitting under the terebinth tree. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth over the food on the rock. And Gideon did so. And probably wondering, okay, what's, what's going on here? Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the food. And touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So the food is there on the rock. Meat, unleavened bread, covered over with like a gravy kind of, kind of broth. Pretty wet and probably a mess. And the angel touches it with his staff and fire comes up from the rock and consumes the whole thing just like that. All gone. 
rock, clean surface, everything gone. And then, while Gideon is transfixed by this, and the angel has disappeared, gone, as he could. That's what angels do. One of the things they do, right? So now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Oh, really? After all that, now Gideon, huh? <laughs> so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, what, what a lot of the, the people like Gideon and the people that have heard the stories of the Israelites and the Egyptians was one of the biggest things that Moses wrote down in the Bible that happened was no man could see the face of God or see God full on and live. They would, they would have to die. And that's why when, when God passed by that rock opening, that cleaver in the rock to Moses, he showed Moses just his back. So the belief was, and Moses wrote it down in the books of the Bible for us to see, and for all these early tribes and people, you cannot see the face of the Lord and live. And that's why, that's why God did send an angel and not himself. Then the Lord said to him, Now God is talking to Gideon, Peace be with you, do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. And when this was written, at the time this book was written, the author of the book said, to this day, it is still in the Ophrah of the Abrazites. Now it came to pass, verse 25, the same night that the Lord said to Gideon again, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull, take a second bull, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants, and did as the Lord had said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. I guess he still had some fear in his life. Fear of people seeing this and reacting in such a way. So verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden, wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Gideon's dad, Bring out your son, that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Read this, let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, if Baal is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Yeah, Joash tells him, okay, if Baal's a god, why didn't he do something about it? Why didn't he stop it? Come on. But here is the, the troubling problem here. 
Once again, the whole idol worship and the clearly anti-God occurrences in Israel at the time. How, how could a people who had seen so much of the hand of God since Moses and before that, of course, go so far the wrong way? And as we see throughout all the Old Testament, Baal worship was so evil and wrong. They sacrificed their own children, an incomprehensible evil. And that the fact that I cannot imagine such a practice happening in a public place and thousands of people going to watch it and stand there and do nothing. And as Steve mentioned a couple of weeks ago in his message, you know, our modern day version of this is abortion. Now, that's, you know, maybe, you know, kind of weird to say that, but it's true. There was evil then, and there's evil now. It was murder then, it's murder now. So the Baal and Asherah literally, uh, idolatry, sorry, was an abhorrence to God. And it kept arising again and again every few years. So God told Gideon, and he did it, they had to be destroyed, and Gideon was the man to take care of it. So let's read on here, Judges uh, chapter 6, verses 35 through 40. And so Gideon sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who had gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet, and they came up to meet them. So, Josh, so Gideon sorry, was uh, gathering a force of men, and they were going to meet in the valley of Jezreel. So verse 36. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have done, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. So, a fleece of wool put down on the floor. If there is water, if there's dew on the fleece only, and all the ground all around it is dry, that will be a sign from God. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And again, God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, dry as a bone, but there was dew on all the ground around it. So a wonderful miracle God performed here. This situation shows that perhaps Gideon maybe lacked enough faith and needed the signs, which is kind of crazy because after all he just conversed with an angel, but there you go. Needed an extra sign and God was happy to, to show him. And, you know, it goes to the point of God can intervene for us 
against seemingly insurmountable odds. He can do that today. Now, sometimes I've been guilty of this. I've wanted God to do a miraculous something to help me believe something better. But that's not it. God's not there to put on a show for us. It's about us having the faith to believe in him and believing he will do it. Like Paul says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, in the point of <clears throat> modern-day miracles, now, this may, this may be a, a spoiler alert, block your ears now if you don't want to see the movie uh, Breakthrough, which we did see a few weeks ago. Great movie, tremendous movie, I, re I recommend it. The title is Breakthrough. It's a true story of um, a 14-year-old boy and a couple of his friends who were uh, in the winter months, I forget which state it was now, sorry about that, they fell through the ice on a lake. They were playing on this lake. It was frozen solid. And they all fell into the lake. And this one particular, the main character of the story, the main boy, um, was in the water for over an hour, had gone under completely. And uh, a couple of uh, firemen uh, dived into the water after he'd been in there a while and retrieved him. Um, but after being in the water forever now and underwater completely, uh, he pulls through, and it's an amazing story of what happens and how <clears throat> nobody had ever been underwater for that long and survived, or had been underwater, freezing water, you know, absolute freezing water for that long and not had any kind of brain damage. And he pulls through completely unscathed, no long term. In Long, long-term damage, no long-lasting effects, completely unscathed. And both his, his mom and dad were, were churchgoers and believers and praying the whole time. And they had people from their church uh, come and pray with them at the hospital as he was in intensive care. His church pastor was there and stayed for days on end and helping him through everything. Um, and then I heard the, uh, the young man on the, on the radio show almost a year ago uh, he's now about 18 or 19. And the, ch the church pastor, they were both on, on the, the radio show and talking about what had happened. And it's just an amazing story and how God can intervene, you know, today. And this, was, this, this story truly is a miracle. And like I said, I recommend the movie for those who have not seen it. A really uh, amazing, unbelievable story. So let's move on to the seventh chapter of Judges here and continue reading about Gideon. So, <clears throat> uh, okay, so Judges chapter 7 and verse, verse 1. Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Now, there's an important point to remember here. 
I'm going to read it in, in my study Bible. There's a little point about this issue here. Um, when Gideon allowed, quote, when Gideon allowed those who were fearful to leave, more than two-thirds departed, leaving only 10,000 men. So he originally had 32,000 men here with him, ready for battle. Mosaic law allowed military exemptions for several classes of people, including those who had just built a home, those who had just planted a vineyard or vineyard, those engaged to be married, and those who were fearful. Mosaic law allowed it. Gideon asked the, those who were fearful and afraid if they wanted to leave, they did. So, he goes from 32,000 down to, uh, let's see, 22,000. So now he's down to 10,000 men. Let's read on. Uh, verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And um, whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Verse 5. So Gideon brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the, Lord, from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, put in their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. And there we go. Let's just stop, let's just pause there for a minute. So now, the number of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and those who were ready to battle against Gideon um, was between, some say 15,000, some say 135,000. Gideon had gone there with 32,000 men. He's now down to 300 men. 300 men against as little as 15,000, or is it 135,000? 300 men. Gideon must have been in a right state by this point. He must have been, what is going on? <laughs> what have you done to me, Lord? What, what's happening? So, <laughs> whatever way, way you look at it, Gideon had massively inferior numbers here. So, let's read on. Uh, let's go through verses 8 through 22. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and remained there was 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to Gideon, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, Go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So Gideon then went with Purah, his servant, to the outpost 
of the armed men who were in the camp. So they crept down to the edge of the camp, and the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, and get this, all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east, the nomadic tribes from the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. So there were tens of thousands of men and their animals they had brought with them. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. The man said to his other companion, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that, so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So they'd heard of Gideon. They knew he was out there and heard that he was a mighty man of valor. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and, his, and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. So then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with an empty pitcher and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch. When I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So they had a plan to go all the way around the camp, the 300 men, with the trumpet in one hand and a pitcher with a torch in the other hand. So the Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outposts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army that was in the camp ran out and fled. When the three hundred blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. So God had set in confusion, and the Midianites and the Malachites killed each other. And the army, some of the army fled to Beth Acacia, towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola by Tabath. Let's see here. And so, yeah, so up to this point here, it's happened. Gideon and his 300 men have surrounded the Midianites, the Malachites. They have killed each other. Those tens of thousands in the confusion. They thought, they, they assumed from the trumpets blowing and the pitchers they saw all around that they were completely surrounded by maybe they thought, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 people. So God had done it for Gideon. They'd done it. They'd beaten the Midianites and Malachites. And chapter 8 is basically about Gideon and his men pursuing 
these two Midian kings who had escaped the situation, um, the tribes in the area not believing him or offering him support. <clears throat> so, and uh, in chapter 8 and verses 22 and 23, there's a little interesting point here that, that Gideon tells his men. Uh, Judges chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. Did I get that to you, Brian? Did I get that one to you? Judges 8, 22 through 23. Okay. So, good. Uh, chapter, okay, Judges chapter 8. Okay, go that, back to 22. If you could. There it is. Okay. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. So Gideon was telling his men that God is the one who has done this for us. He rules over you. And in a way, I am just a temporary leader. Worship God. He is the king, not I. Although he was a judge, you worship, your belief must be in God. He's the one who delivered us. And so they, they captured the, the two kings who had escaped. And, uh, and uh, Gideon killed them. And that was that. The Malachites, Midianites, completely destroyed and vanquished and another great miracle had been performed. So Gideon, just to summarize that again, Gideon and his 300 men had vanquished with God's help as little as 15,000 to maybe 135,000 Midianites and Malachites. Incredible story. And then uh, jumping down to uh, Judges 8 and verse 28, just to kind of summarize here. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their, he their heads no more and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. 40 years of peace after this situation. And 40 years of peace thanks to Gideon, his leadership abilities, his getting the Israelites back to worshipping and believing in God and not false gods. And that was the key to success. Just 300 men against tens of thousands, and God gave them the victory. So, modern-day miracles like what happened in the Bible don't necessarily happen today, like, you know, like the parting of the Red Sea, incredible miracle, or fireballs coming down from heaven and consuming cities or so on. But you know what is also a miracle? When someone who has a black Dark, dark heart and turns to God. Someone who is, like I gave in a message uh, last year, I believe, a couple of years ago, when an Islamic fundamentalist terrorist becomes a Christian. Or on a different, complete different scale, a premature baby born a little more than just halfway through a woman's pregnancy. And I, I saw a story in the World News that, about that a few weeks ago. Um, this lady gave birth to her baby, I think it was 24 weeks, 
for 25 weeks. And the baby was just weighed a pound. But in my books, that's a miracle. And they got a long way to go. And our, our own daughter was, was in NICU for 10 days. She wasn't ready to come. She was three weeks early, but here she is now, my beautiful daughter. And, you know, no, they may not be as spectacular as the miracles in the Bible, but they're miracles too. So, is it right to question God like Gideon did? We certainly can't test God. God showed patience with Gideon because he knew this was someone who would be a great leader and save the Israelite people. Now, we can question ourselves. And, you know, are we trying to lead a good Christian lifestyle? Are we holding on to our principles? Because in the culture we're living in, and in our current culture in the world, we are pushed on every side, aren't we, in today's age? And to, to stand up for, as Christians, as Christians in this day and age is, is almost a hard thing to do, in, in, unlike it was 40 years ago, for example, or 30 years ago. So Gideon's faith grew with every chapter in those early days of his position as judge of Israel. And we can take great strength from that. His, the miracles that God performed on his behalf and how he helped Gideon become the great leader he was can give us tremendous inspiration. And, and it, it passed down through the ages. In the books of the Bible, he was remembered. And let's, let's just look at one example here of um, Paul talking about Gideon as well as the other people. Uh, he, Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 32 through 35. Hebrews 11, verse, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and women received their dead, raised to life again. And then verses 39 through 40, Hebrews 11, verse 39. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, verse 40, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So the story of Gideon is about leadership, faith, trust, miracles performed by God, and the absolute sure promise that God will provide for his people, and he will deliver his people. Now, praying to God, sometimes it may not be on our time scale. When we want it, we want it today, we want it tomorrow. God will answer your prayer in his time. Your prayers don't go unheard of or fall on deaf ears. He hears every single prayer. Billions of prayers at the same time, not a problem to God. So we can draw strength 
and rest easy knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ, is that promise maker and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I hope that this little Bible study, as it were, looking at the life of Gideon, will inspire us, will help us to understand that there are many, many stories in the books of the Bible that we can take great heart from, we can look at, we can study, and realize that God is always there for us. He pulls us through every situation. He performs miracles, and he's just a great God.